Welcome to the Every Breath Counts podcast. I'm Ryan Sheckle, health enthusiast, amateur ultra runner, and award-winning business consultant. And each week, I interview the most accomplished people in the world, from professional and Olympic athletes to CEOs, best-selling authors, and even the occasional magician to demystify what it takes to achieve success at the highest level. Take what you can from these stories to optimize your mind, your body, and your career so you can make every breath count. Thank you for investing the time in the show and yourself. Now let's get started. Tony Robbins said, to have an extraordinary quality of life, you need two skills, the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. And Jim Carrey said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. My guest today is Alan Lazarus. Alan is the CEO and co-founder of Next Level University and co-host of a top 100 podcast with over 800 episodes in 100 countries worldwide and is one of the most sought after speakers about self-mastery, productivity, and entrepreneurship. In this episode, Alan shares how he turned his life around after a near-deadly car crash, the difference between happiness and fulfillment, and what he believes Maslow missed in his infamous hierarchy of needs. If you want to know how to create a life of abundance and fulfillment, this episode is for you. And if this is your first time here, welcome and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. If you found this episode inspiring, educational, or entertaining, it would be awesome if you would leave a rating wherever you listen. You can also comment with one thing you loved about this episode as a review. The best way to support the podcast and to help others find it is by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Get ready to find your fulfillment in your life and career with Alan Lazarus. Alan Lazarus, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, Welcome. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So it's funny that you say welcome because you have one of the top 100 podcasts um, in the business productivity niche. And you've also created a company with your partner, uh, Next Level University. And this is so exciting to have you on just to talk to talk to you about helping people get to the next level. But I know from your story that you know, you weren't always this this business entrepreneur. And I think, what was it, like six years ago, you had a pretty epic car accident. Um, mm-hmm. And it seemed like that really is what kickstarted you on this journey. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but tell me a little bit about that story, man. Yeah. So the the first thing to understand here is, so I'm 33 years old. And when I tell this story, I like to preface it. I didn't always understand it while I was going through it hindsight is very clear now. And so it's really important to understand that now at 33, I can see clearly reflecting back on this stuff with a lot of clarity. Whereas when I was going through it, a lot of it was me just figuring it out. Yeah. So my story starts way, way, way back. So when I was two years old, my father passed away in a car accident when he was 28 years old. 28. And he was 28. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so now you're, you're understanding already why when I was 26 and I got in my car accident, why that was so impactful. 
So I'm two years old and father passes away in a car accident when I'm tw- when he was 28. So I'm two. I have an older sister. My sister is about six at the time, five and a half, six. And then I had a stepdad from ages two to 14. Now, the important thing to understand here is I had a, a really big tragedy happen to me very young. And I grew up in some adversity because of that but it also was a blessing in some regards. So I was raised by two women. So my mom and my sister raised me. My sister, Mm. my older sister was kind of like a second mom. And uh, my stepdad I did have from two to 14, but mostly it was my mom and my sister that were my main influences. So no, I was not always the, the entrepreneur that you see today, but I built that incrementally over time. And when I was 26 years old, I was working for a company called Cognex and I was selling industrial automation equipment. And I was the regional sales manager, not regional district sales manager for Mm -hmm. Western mass, Vermont and Connecticut. Connecticut was my main territory. And so I'm up in New Hampshire and I'm with my little cousin. I'm not working. We're playing basically call of duty and I'm 26 years old and I'm doing really well at this point. Financially, I've achieved most of my early goals in life. My goal at the time was to be a fortune 50 CEO in corporate America, like my hero, Steve Jobs. Nice. I was on my way towards that and I was climbing, making as much money as I could, paying off all my school loans, all that stuff. And I ended up getting in this car accident. We were going to TGI Fridays. We weren't drinking. We weren't partying or anything like that. We were just going to TGI Fridays. It was this really, really bad winter. And I was supposed to stay. So it was the bad winter where there was up in New Hampshire, the snowbanks were covering the signs. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. There was a yield sign that I didn't see. I end up on the wrong side of the road. Uh, I'm looking down at the GPS for like a split second. I'm on the wrong side of the road. I look up and I see the brightest lights I'd ever seen. Now, at this point, I thought it was a Mack truck. And so I thought for sure this was it. I'm driving a little car and this I thought was a Mack truck. Turns out it's a lift kitted pickup truck. Up in New Hampshire, a lot of the pickup trucks have lift kits and so much higher than you think. And so I, for anyone who's never had a life or death situation, the only way to describe this is like, I really thought like, this is it. Like, there's no chance we survive this. Fortunately, I'm driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat, which is a German engineered car. I used to literally call Mm -hmm. this car the tank. I used to call it the tank because it was such a heavy steel trap of a car. Oh, yeah. Both airbags deploy. My cousin and I are okay. So he hurt his face or his knee on the airbag. I hurt my face on the airbag. But again, I'm 26 at the time. My father passed away in a car accident when he was 28. I spent my entire life hearing stories about John, my dad, and his legacy, and his side of the family. And so this rattled me big time. My 17-year-old cousin, little cousin, was like tweeting about it, not rattled at all, still sort of young and invincible. I was like questioning my entire life because I witnessed like that could have been it for sure. Yeah. So I'm sitting in an armchair drinking whiskey, questioning my entire life, filled with basically, you know, was I living in my calling? Am I the man I am Like, have I become the man that I'm proud to say I am? Did I make positive choices? And am I on the right path, basically? So now, and and this is sort of the, the lesson, I now say this quote, you cannot see the stars during the day. Yeah, They're always there, but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which you simply could not within the light. I saw two stars that I'd never seen before, two stars that changed my life. And so anyone who's out there right now listening or watching this, 
the, the one certain thing that I can tell you is you have adversity in your future. There's going to be a health challenge, a financial problem, business challenge, relationship challenge, you name it. The only question is what are you going to do about it? And when you are in emotional pain or spiritual pain or mental pain or physical pain, you're going to notice something you'd never noticed before. So there's two things that I noticed before in all this regret. I always say this. I had my midlife crisis at 26 and I'm really, really grateful at this point. I wasn't at the time. At the time, there was no, I'm glad this happened. But later on, it's very clear now, like I'm really glad that happened. So at 26, I noticed two things. One was Tony Robbins' TED Talk. If you've never seen it, best TED Talk of all time, in my opinion, regardless of what you think of Tony, TED Talk's unbelievable. Second one, and most importantly, I came across a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. It's a book by a woman named Bronnie Ware. I've since interviewed her. She's from Australia. She worked in hospice for eight years with the terminally ill, and she noticed these same patterns of regret. I wish, I wish, I wish over eight years with the terminally ill. If you're going to learn from anybody, learn from the terminally ill because they're reflecting on their life saying, I wish, I wish, I wish. She made a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. To this day, I have a flashcard in my pocket. It's actually right over there. Normally, I keep it what, in my pocket. What are those top five regrets? Do you know them off the top of your head? I do. So the first one, and most importantly, is I wish I had lived a life true to myself mm-hmm. and not what others expected of me. That's number mm-hmm. one. Second one is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Now, I asked Bronnie this, and I said, isn't that because of number one? Because mm-hmm. if you were in your calling, I actually believe hard work is a virtue, not a not a bad thing. And yeah. so ever since 26, I mean, I work every day, right? So I don't feel like I'm going to regret that, but that's because I'm now doing something in alignment with what I believe is best. <clears throat> so, and I got to ask her and she's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Alan. It was really cool. Third, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Fourth, okay. I wish I had the courage to express my true feelings. That's a vulnerability one. That's tough. Really, really important. And then the last one, and I find this fascinating, I wish I had let myself be happier. Like letting yourself be happy. Because one of the things that, and you're probably guilty of this too, I am, it's like if X, Y, Z doesn't happen, then I'm upset. And we're all guilty of that, right? Versus just kind of deciding I'm going to be happy today and I'm going to work on trying to be happy. And I think happy is a, a weak word. I, I prefer fulfillment, like being fulfilled. Yeah. No, I think hap- I, I think you're right about that. I, I think happy's it's, I think it's a, a nice thing. Right, like happy is nice, and I think people strive for happy. I think people, but I think happy is fleeting, right? I think happy is reactive. Happy is something that comes and goes. I think fulfillment is is a much better word, it, just the way you're saying it, right? Because I think fulfillment comes from hard work realized, or from goals realized, or it's it's doing something and accomplishing something that took. Uh, time it took difficulty it took overcoming adversity and I think to me to me that's true happiness right it's all that you know I, I've got question questionable ideas about like hustle culture and I I get motivated by like people jacking me up but I do feel like accomplishing something and really seeking out difficult things really does bring fulfillment and I think that's better than happiness in a lot of ways same same I I I'm writing a book right now called Optimizing for Fulfillment. And it's basically how do you, and I have a pyramid, a framework. It's it's called the Pyramid of Fulfillment. Go figure. And it's sort of like a 21st century, more practical version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I personally think it's far oh, better. I think 
I think Maslow had a lot of gaps in his thinking, and I know that that probably sounds well, so uh, where, intense. To, where where are um, those? Because that's a really like Maslow. That was really well thought out. Obviously, I mean it's it's gold standard for for psychology for, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so where are these gaps? Well, I don't think it was based on fulfillment. It was based on self actualization, and one of the big mm-hmm. gaps is self transcendence. So so mm-hmm. self actualizing is different than con- contribution. Okay. So uh, I think he's really missing a, a key component, which is that it's bigger than you. And and the other piece too, I mean, psychological safety is not in there. Belonging's not in there. There there's there's definite. I think that I my pyramid of fulfillment has has become a more holistic twenty first century version, sort yeah. of of Maslow. But one of the biggest gaps is definitely the fact that it's not from the frame of contribution. Okay, so remind me again, though. So, so what was the pyramid, uh, Maslow's pyramid? Right? It, what is like shelter, love? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can't. I don't recall it off the top of my head. Yeah. Exactly. So the bottom of it was was shelter, the the basic needs. The other thing. So the bottom of mine, mine has five levels. Next level okay. university is sort of our business, and that's the pun here. Is like you can't forget about the the level one when you're at level five because uh, you don't want the pyramid to erode out from under you. Yeah. So level one is basically all the, the uh, body needs. So I'll, I'll give you level one real quick. The, the bottom of the pyramid, the base, sleep, hydration, nutrition, training, and mobility. And then you've also got like health checkups. And so it's it's your physical, and that's another reason why Maslow kind of I don't think was fully holistic is like, yeah. well, where's the exercise? Where's the, so, and again, this is nothing against Maslow. Cause a lot of, you know, what we're even talking about today is built on the shoulders of the past of what they've created. But the pyramid is optimizing for fulfillment. It's a formula. Yeah. It, fulfillment is a formula. And, and, you never get 10 out of 10 fulfillment. You just get a little bit better, a little bit better. It's like an asymptote. You never really get there. And the analogy that I'll use for this, I want everyone to to really grasp this for a second because I think, you know, we're taught from a young age that life is about happiness. And well, are you happy or are you not? It's not binary. The question is, are you happier than you used to be? Or even better, are you fulfilled? Or even better, are you fuf- more fulfilled than you used to be? And if so, Why? And are you going to be more fulfilled next year than you are this year? And I think fulfillment is the soul's recognition of alignment with its highest self. I think it's it's your soul's recognition of living in your calling. It's your soul's recognition of maximizing your own potential and your own greatest level of contribution. It's the soul's recognition of being in your genius zone. So Michael Jordan, for example, this is the example I use. Michael Jordan never once, never once had a perfect basketball game. Never once. Yeah. Arguably the best player to ever live in basketball, never had a perfect game. He just had better and better and better and better games. And by the way, he had better games than just about everybody else. That That's kind of my point, is that you're never going to have a perfect life. You're never going to have a perfect day or a perfect month or a perfect week or a perfect year or a perfect decade. You'll just have better days, better weeks, better months, better quarters, better years, better decades. And only if you get better, and that's really the, the main frame. Yeah, you know what's cool about this is it, it, I, I haven't thought about it before, but when you said um, you know there's a difference, it doesn't have to be binary with with happiness. Um, when I think about like an infant, I feel like infants are the happiest uh, uh, 
beings in the world, right? The, the, the laughter, it's why their laughter is so contagious. And you look at it, there's no worries. Like there's worries in the moment when they're hungry, when they need to be changed, when, uh, when they're lonely or scared. But when they're the happiest, like it's just this contagious laughter and everything's exciting and they're learning and it's, it, it, no one is more excited. It's why there's always like that meme, like I want to be as happy as like uh, this naked baby in a bath or what, whatever, you know, the, the meme is about, um, about being as happy as a baby, right? And it's a transition because an individual is likely happiest as an infant, but it doesn't mean that they're the most fulfilled, yeah. As an infant, it's different, exactly. right? Happiness is is a different emotion. It's reactive. Fulfillment, in a way, is, is more proactive. It's the realization of, of of hard work. And as an infant, there is no hard work, right? It's just things are given to you. So you're happy. And, and maybe that's even it. Like you're happy when you receive a gift. You're fulfilled when you have made an income and given a gift, Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a powerful shift from infant to adulthood. And if you ask someone like, well, you know, where would you want to be in your life again? I think there's benefits to being happy like an infant. And I think there's benefits to being fulfilled like an adult. If you don't mind me interjecting, this is powerful. And I didn't know we were going to go down this road, but I love it. I remember when I was in high school and, 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 to be transparent with your listeners and I'm not going to go deep into this, but like my stepdad left at 14 and you know, my dad passed away when I was two and you know, I didn't grow up around a lot of self-improvement. Let me just say that. Mm. And I went, through, I had a lot of challenges, a lot of, a lot of adversity. I remember people telling me, Alan, like when I was in high school, like these are the best years of your life. And I remember thinking like, God, I hope not. Man, you know, God, I hope not. And by the way, worst advice ever. That's not true at all. No, no, no. You know what? That was true for them. That was true because their life didn't get better. I'm 33 now, and I've I reread the book of my life proverbially, metaphorically, every single time, and I have a really good memory. And when I was 33, and and my girlfriend asked me this, she said, "What are you going to do differently in your 33rd year? I'm going to invest all of the last 32 years into doing something differently. You've got to improve, evolve, change, adapt, grow." I said, "I'm not going to go outside of alignment anymore for anyone or anything." Mm. And what that means to me is this: I'm a podcaster, I'm a speaker, I'm a trainer, I'm a coach, and I'm a consultant, and that is it. That's 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 what I do. And so right now, I'm doing that. I'm going to maximize my own potential and help others do the same. And the way I help others do the same is contribution. Maximizing my own potential is what Maslow called self-actualization. I digress. Okay, when people told me, Alan, these are the best years of your life, it bothered me. It bothered me a lot. Because in my head, I was like, there's no way. And I remember I was in my early 20s and <clears throat> I told my mom, and this was kind of funny and kind of tongue-in-cheek, but also kind of serious. I said, mom, I'm trying to figure out the formula. I'm an engineer, so I'm always formulas. I'm trying to figure out the formula to not end up old and miserable like everybody else. Yeah. It was hardcore, and I was I was young, and I, I grew up around a lot of unhappiness. In hindsight, it's very clear. Most people that I grew up with were very unfulfilled. They're not living in their calling. They don't have big goals and dreams, right? They weren't into self-improvement. And so, of course, it makes sense now. It's like, well, of course they weren't that fulfilled, right? They, were, they had what I refer to now as a pleasure-centered paradigm. Uh, you've probably read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen yeah. Covey. Okay. The paradigms. Mm -hmm. 
there's a bunch of different paradigms. So for your listeners, there's a pleasure-centered paradigm, there's a work-centered paradigm, there's a church-centered paradigm. Your paradigm is is like, it's your subconscious's belief of what life's about. I grew up with a pleasure-centered paradigm. And I believe that as kids, we adopt our environment's paradigm. So I grew up in a pleasure-centered paradigm, meaning life is about having fun. See, that's a dangerous belief. If you think life is about having fun, you're in for a lot of unfulfillment. Versus life is about maximizing your own unique potential and greatest level of contribution. See, one of those is aspirational and it's inspirational and it's wonderful. The other one is I should think something's wrong when I don't get to vacation every week. Or I should think something's wrong when I don't go to every party or every barbecue. Or the pleasure-centered paradigm is very detrimental, especially now that we have these phones. Oh yeah. How many how many pleasure centered things can I access on this phone? Oh, in a billion. Three in three clicks. Yeah. So anyone with a pleasure centered paradigm is in a lot of trouble, and and that's why I'm writing this book, optimizing for fulfillment, is is because of what we're talking about right now. High school is not the best years of your life. High school is one one part of your life that hopefully will evolve and grow as you do, and I believe that your life will improve when you improve. Whether your mom improves or your dad improves or the economy improves, like that'll change your life a little bit. But when you improve, everything in your life will improve with it. And that's the shift that I really want to help the world understand. Yeah, that's a powerful, that's a powerful mindset. And it's scary for people who who feel like they peaked in high school in a lot of ways. And I think that that is a problem with with some situations is high school can be so good. Right, because there's no responsibility, and maybe mm-hmm. you're captain of the football team, maybe you're, you know, valedictorian, maybe you're dating the prettiest girl or the, you know, the coolest guy in school, and then all of a sudden you move on, and it's not the same. You know, you break up with your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you're no longer being looked up to because you're a stud athlete, or, or hey, now you're at MIT or or Harvard, and you're not the smartest person in the school. And I think that it goes to tying your identity uh, with those things in a lot of ways. Right. And it's, it's like you said, you know, you can be happy when your identity is, is tied to those and it's good. Um, But if you tie your identity to growth and improvement and fulfillment and and success um, further down the road, and, and you tie your identity to, to doing the things that bring fulfillment and not necessarily the results of those things, then I think you're in a much better place because you understand that it is a process and there is growth that's going to come and there is going to be setbacks and there is going to be adversity and roadblocks. And as you grow and as you overcome, your identity keeps getting stronger. And, and, you know, I always like to say like, I am, I am, I am right. Like I am the person that will overcome uh, whatever it is. Like if you're a runner or you're working out, I know you do some bodybuilding, like I am the person that wakes up and works out or like I am the person who when I miss a lift is going to try again, you know, mm-hmm. and not stop. Or I am the person who even when I'm tired at night is still going to like eat my chicken b- before I go to b- whatever it is, you know, but it's labeling like I'm the person that does this, not I'm the person that is this. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a pretty powerful thing as well. Um, but I do want to get into next level university because I love what you're doing. And, and you and your business partner, Kevin, have really 
the podcast is great and you guys go six days a week and it's nonstop and you're, you're putting out all these strategies and productivity, I think is one of the most interesting, um, topics kind of like in business and self-development right now. And you see all these books about habits and, um, and, and how to be productive and efficient. So what are, what are the top three things that you would suggest for my listeners to increase their productivity so that they can be fulfilled in life? Yeah. The first one is, is, and, and I appreciate the question. The first one is design for consistency. Mm, design, huh? Design for consistency. Okay. Optimize for consistency. Sure. So uh, what's the, yeah. So I do this with my, my clients. I do this with my team because I want them to understand something. I take, I took a hundred dollars and put it into a financial calculator okay. on zoom and I share my screen and I say, if this hundred dollars grows by zero or 0.01%, that's okay. one tenth of 1%. So 0.01%. If it grows by 0.01% per day for 365 days, you end up with a whopping $143. Yay. Hmm. Right. Two years, 730 days. Again, 0.01%. Okay. You end up with, I think, 207 bucks, something like that. Then you do three years, which is 1,095 days, I think, or something like that. You end up with like, I don't know, 300 bucks, almost 300 bucks. But if you do it for 30 years, okay, it ends up in the millions. If you do it for 40 years, it ends up in the billions. If you do it for 50 years, it ends up in the tens of billions. And by the way, and this is the kicker. I say, I want to show you two things. The first one is, eh, I want to take weekends off. I'm just going to take the weekends off. Mm. It drops from 217 million in 30 years down to 3 million just from the weekends off. Man. Wild. Okay. And I, I, you owe it to yourself if you're listening to do this. I'm a math guy and I'm an engineer and you know, I was the dude who partied all night and got straight A's on the test without going to class. Okay. I was that dude. But I realize now in hindsight that not everyone thinks this way. And today in today's world with 4.66 billion people on the internet, and by the way, that's increasing exponentially and so is the population, you have to understand this. I did two things. One, I showed, okay, 217 million down to 3 million, 3.4 or something like that. Right. Uh, when you take weekends off. What happens when you put the extra mile in? What happens when you work a little harder? You do the extra reps in the gym. You do the extra workouts. You do the extra reading. You do the extra call that you didn't want to do, right? Because you're busy. Yeah. And you go from 0.01% to 0.02%. 0.02% improvement per day. Just a little tweak. It goes into the trillions. It in goes into the trillions. Okay? It's wild. Now, is it possible to improve by 0.02% every day and never miss a day. I believe so, and that's how I live my life. After 26. Before 26, I was not doing that, and I want to be transparent about that. And our team, it's that our team and our business and our podcast, everything is designed around that. Around that. As a matter of fact, we have a spreadsheet that tracks our YouTube listens and our audio listens. And there's a conditional formatting that shows daily growth. You know, I remember our first year, by the way, and I want to I give this to your listeners as well. The entire first year of podcasting, we only had 1,058 listens. 
First of all, tell me and everyone out there, ask yourself, would you be willing to continue doing something when you only had 1,058 listens at the end of the entire first year? How many we, episodes were, were you doing six a day then? No, 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 no. Okay. Well, no, we only did one a week, one a week. Okay, one, one a week. week, okay. One a week. Now we get more than that in a day. Yeah. Okay, we got more listens in one day in the last two weeks than we did the entirety of the first year. That is the power of the compound effect of small improvements over time. And one more thing I want to say here real quick is that the daily average we track to make sure we're above 0.01%. And it, mm. it goes red if we're not, it stays green if we are. And all we're doing is finding tiny tweaks, tiny improvements. James Clear, he wrote the book Atomic Habits. I'm yeah. reading it right now in my book club. He calls it the aggregation of marginal gains. And that's, that's what we live. That's what we live as a team. That's what we live as individuals. That's what we live as a business. And, and if I'm even reasonable, and by the way, one of the reasons this is such a challenging episode for me is because I just changed equipment. This is a brand new mic. I'm not used to my camera being there here. I'm seeing you up there and my camera down here. And it's very hard for me. I don't know if you noticed how uncomfortable I was at the beginning, but that's because I've done 800 episodes a different way than what I'm doing right now. And it was very hard for me to power through that. But those tiny tweaks are what makes such a big difference over time. They just don't seem to in the moment. So you asked me for three tips. Number one is consistency. Number two and three are C number one. That's that's crazy. I've I've interviewed um, a handful of people who work with like Olympic athletes, and I've in, interviewed Olympic athletes. And one of the biggest things they say is that consistency is key. It's not it's not showing up and having one big workout or or uh, you know well, the guy that comes to mind is Lucas Foster, an X game snowboarder who should be in the Olympics this year. And he says it's not like a, I can just go have one run. Like I can't go down the half pipe one time and and make the Olympics. I need to be consistent over years. It's, it's a four-year process in between Olympics, and you have to win a lot of tournaments. You can't do that by having one good run. You have to do it over and over and over. And how do you have good runs over and over and over? It's showing up to practice over and over and over, and it's tweaking. It's being self-aware. It's making adjustments, just like you're saying. You know, you're looking up. You're looking down. You're trying to find this new mic. But it's hard. It's hard for people to wrap their head around doing the work for years without results, mm -hmm. right? That's scary to a lot of people. And, and I think it's, I think the scariest part about the consistency and about not being fulfilled by like big results early is the fear that you're not going to get the big result late. Like, I think if you were able to tell someone, Hey, do this for five years. And in five years, you're going to have this. This is going to be the result. Like if you put the work in every day and it's always easiest for me to go back to like weightlifting or working out. I think it's a very tangible thing to reference. So, Hey, if you run every day for five years, you can run a five mile or a three hour marathon, right? Like maybe, maybe you that's your goal. Yep. It's like, well, that's really hard when it, you're running a six hour marathon. Like, how do you see that? So how do you show people or what's important for folks to understand that like, even though you might not believe that the results will come, they will. How do you show someone that? It's gotta be math. I didn't know this. Um, 
I'm trying to think of the best way to unpack this. My my girlfriend and I, uh, her genius zone is relationships, and mm. we have a company built around that. And my genius zone is business and, and math. And she said to me recently, she said, Alan, you've come way up more in my genius zone than I have yours. And I said, don't worry, sweetheart. Now that our business is starting to take off, we'll be talking numbers a lot more. Yeah. She bought this math book. She got it for herself for Christmas. And we do math regularly now. So we're playing like math roulette on whiteboards around our house. And so like I just put uh, the latest one. We did it this morning. I put this on the board a long time ago. She didn't do it until this morning. And by a long time ago, I mean like a week ago. She the, the question was, if I roll two die two times, what are the chances that I get seven two times in a row? And so for a math person, basically the chances of getting a seven is one-sixth. And the chances of you getting a seven two times in a row is one six times one six. So the probability is one thirty six. So it's very rare to get seven twice in a row. Okay. Now, very rare meaning one out of 36 times. The point to answer your original question is that math creates certainty. Certainty mm. is, is what confidence really is. I used to think that, okay, so for example, when Elon Musk starts a company, he's not he's not like hoping or wishing it's going to work out. I mean, yeah, on some level when he's, talking about colonizing Mars, that's a different story. But, right. okay, so for example, I have a client who on YouTube, I told him, I said, if you do X, Y, Z, by the next time we talk in two weeks, I think your January will be a $30,000 month on the low end, a $40,000 month on the high end, most likely in the mid-30s. And he's like, well, how do you know that? I said, it's just the numbers. I'm looking at if we make these changes. It's just math. It's just math. Something catastrophic would happen, have to happen to YouTube or to your videos or to your thumbnails or to your channel in order for you not to produce that result. But what I realized is that it was just math. And so when I'm teaching Emilia, my, my beautiful girlfriend, math, I figured something out about myself. My math brain has to answer it first and then unpack how I got there. Mm. So I'll give you an example. So her podcast is called the Why Power Podcast, and they're about to rebrand, and they're targeting a, a higher level of listener. I basically really, really quickly in my head saw that they had 991 listens. They're a fairly new show, 991 listens in the last three months. And then I, I multiplied that by the amount of time they've been in, in podcasting. Okay. And it wasn't that much higher than their actual listens, which told me that their growth rate is not as high as it should be from my perspective. And then I talked to her and I said, I think your marketing could improve. And she's like, mm. well, how did you get to that conclusion? Then afterwards I went and unpacked how I got there. And so my point being this, I used to think that I was confident naturally. I've always been very confident, but it turns out it's based on two things that I didn't know until very recently was what was happening. One, it, mathematical certainty. See, us getting... 15,000 listens next month is not, that's not like, I hope, right? It's like based on the trend of the past, the present, and the projected future, that's most likely going to happen. So when I say that we're going to be a million dollar business by the end of 2022, it's not, it's not like I'm like hoping we are. It's reverse engineered. So when you reverse right. engineer the future, you appear so confident when in reality, it's just statistics and mathematics and probability. I used to count cards in the casinos. It's basically like that. You're just, you're calculating the probabilities in your own consciousness and then going, now is the time to double down because it's going to hit. And you're not always right, but you're right more percent of the time. 
And so to answer your original question, if, if someone out there listening is not big into math, I'm telling you right now, I wish I could show people. I wish I could show people a statistical analysis of the people who say I hate math and their financial future. I wish I could mm. take the, the global population of the people who say I love math and show everyone how much of the money is in their hands. Math is numbers and money is numbers. Success is numbers. This universe is exponential and it's numbers. And if you don't understand math, you're not going to have the level of confidence that you could have. And, and I want people to be more confident. And the way to become more confident is to actually start calculating probabilities of your future success based on daily inputs. And hopefully that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. This is really interesting because I, I've always thought that, you know, anyone can achieve financial success. All you have to do is understand money and understanding money is math. Mm-hmm. And there is a, there's a part of it that's like discipline. It's like, okay, well, you, you can't spend more than you make and you have to save a certain amount. But like the the example you described that 0.01% and the aggregate of marginal gains, uh, it's the same thing as compound interest, right? And if you understand mm-hmm. these principles, then you're in such a much better place to having this financial success because you understand whatever your goal is, just set your goal. Whatever it is, maybe it's a million dollars of income. Maybe it's a million dollars in the bank when you retire. Um, But I think money is important because money gives you freedom to pursue things that are fulfilling to you. So like you said, uh, and and I know that I actually listened to a podcast of yours and you and your partner were talking about uh, coaching folks. And I think it was Kevin, uh, your partner had said something like, uh, he had a client who was looking to maybe leave his career and pursue podcasting full time and coaching. And he's like, mm-hmm. look, you're just not there. You, you don't have the listeners. You don't have the following. It would be financial devastating to you. And then you would have to end up taking a step back to, again, build up that income with a career that you're more experienced in before you can even go go back into the podcasting. But it's understanding like, okay, well, what do I need? What What metrics is success. What, how many listeners, uh, if you're selling something, how many items do I need to sell to earn revenue to offset my bills? Right? So math is is such a foundational skill. So how can people, how can people who might not have be comfortable with math or have a desire even to learn math? Like how can they get that comfort? How can they get that understanding, um, and start to apply that to their career? Do what my girlfriend did, which is buy, uh, start with the basics, start with the fundamentals. Mm. I think uh, we live in a very shiny culture right now, and it, 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 I find it so fascinating. I have this one person who, if you went to his Instagram, you would think he was like, you know, multimillionaire and tons of Ferraris and cars mm. and, you know, real yeah. estate and luxury houses. And no, he's broke. He's struggling, you know, and, and, and he's not happy or fulfilled, right? That's just, just, And I actually like this person a lot, by the way, so I'm not calling him out. But I am calling out that. I am sick and tired of that. Honestly, it bothers me. Um, If you're going to put top 1% of real estate agents in California in your bio, at least have it be true. Mm. Because if you're, if you're, uh, this is the example, and this is a little bit hardcore, but it's so important. Okay. Emilia and I are unreasonably happy. Like 
this is the most fulfilled I've been in an intimate relationship in such a long time. It's like, it's the best thing ever. It's like my past relationships in comparison were like twos out of 10 in comparison. But we put in so much work on ourselves, so much work on our relationship. We literally coach on relationships. This is mostly her because she knows this arena so much better than I do. You know, when our business succeeds at a really high level, a lot of that will be my genius zone. When when the relationship flourishes at the level it is, a lot of that is her and I know that. So to answer the original question, you've, you've got to go back to basics. You've got to go back to the fundamentals. In a relationship, effective communication. Mm builds trust without communication and trust the relationship is doomed with or without any of the shiny stuff okay fitness eat less than you burn weight train so you build muscle and strength you'll lose weight if until you do those two things the other ones don't matter that much so in fitness i was a fitness coach fitness model and fitness competitor for a long time and there's all this shiny stuff right there's the powders and the and the creatines and all that and i've done all that too i get it it turns out it's only five things. Ready? It's five things. I swear to God. If you want to be in shape and have the best physique ever, do these five things consistently over time and no matter what, you'll be in great shape. Sleep well. Hydrate well. Sleep, hydration, nutrition, training, and mobility. That's it. If you wanted to add supplementation as a sixth, you could, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as the first five. So if someone's uncomfortable with math, if someone's uncomfortable with finances, if someone's uncomfortable with relationships, if someone's uncomfortable with, that's what our podcast is designed around. The 1% improvement per day in, in health, wealth, and love. Health, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Wealth, how do you make your money? In other words, do you love what you do? Not always, but most of the time. How much do you actually make? Is that increasing or decreasing over time and at what rate? Okay, and then where are you investing your capital? Are you buying things that don't make you more money or are you investing in the future? And then the third one, love, which is your intimate relationship first, your immediate family, business partners, mentors, mentees, clients, colleagues, friends, all that. Those are the three arenas. Those are the three majors, right? We're over here, you know, learning all this extraneous shiny stuff. When the the tried and true fundamentals are just by far the most important. So basic math, to answer your original question, if you're uncomfortable with math and finance, you just got to start so small that it's almost embarrassing. Yeah. I want you to start so small. Our first podcast was in my mother's basement. Our second studio was in my sister's old bedroom. Our third studio was really, really nice, and now I have a home office. But at the beginning, I was started from very humble starts. And it, if we didn't do that, we wouldn't have mastered the fundamentals and we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah, this is powerful. And, you know, I, don't, I want to be respectful of your time here, but I, I just want to add this point because, Alan, I think this is really important. A lot of what you talked about is building a foundation. And I'm working on this course uh, for, for young entrepreneurs and business people. And the very first thing I talk about in this course is building a foundation. And when I say that to, to clients and people like that, they always look at me like I'm some hippie, right? It's like, oh, build your foundation. Okay, I know. Yeah, self-development, build a foundation. I'm like, no. Listen, if you're not healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, then you do not have a foundation to build 0.01% daily on because it's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart. If you do not have emotional intelligence, if you are not satisfied, fulfilled, and aligned with who you want to be, you are going to fall apart 
once you start building on top of that. If physically you are not where you want to be, I'm not saying you have to deadlift a thousand pounds or run a three hour marathon, but I am saying if I can talk fast to you, I have energy. That's because I'm healthy. It's because I've put time in to working out, to eating the right things, to being hydrated. So I don't get winded when I'm talking. So my mind is clear and I can think and I can read and I can stay up later if I need to and wake up earlier if I want to, because I've done the work to stay healthy physically and, and emotionally, right? Like I don't want to fly off the cuff in a business meeting. If I'm not happy and fulfilled, that's a possibility. When I come home and I see my kids and I'm playing with them, I don't want to be distracted by my phone. I don't want to be, I don't want to feel like they are second fiddle. And I don't want to yell at them when they do something that upsets me because I'm not stable emotionally, right? So it's building this foundation because if your foundation is weak, you will not be able to aggregate gains on top of it. So I think that's so, so powerful. So um, Alan, this has been a fun conversation, man. And I know you have a heart out here pretty soon. Uh, but I have three questions that I ask at the end of every single podcast. Before we get to those, how can people find the podcast, find the university, get a hold of you or Kevin? Appreciate you. And I love what you said about the foundation. Uh, one thing I want to say really quickly is this is awesome. And I really appreciate you having me here. I seriously, I do. But I want to make a point. I remember someone asked me one time, what does it mean to be next level? And I remember I could only answer one way. And maybe this is a spiritual thing. I don't know. I said, it's who am I and what am I doing when no one's watching? Mm. When I was 26 years old, I got in that car accident. I'm telling you right now, all that was mattered is who I became and what I gave to this world. Mm. And I will never lose sight of that. I care more about how I perform alone in the gym tomorrow. I'm not going tonight because my business partner's coming over. We're going to fill group coaching. It's a whole other thing. But normally I say tonight. <laughs> But I care more about me alone in the gym and the amount of effort I put into that than I do on, even on this show. Okay, I care more about the way I treat my girlfriend when I leave this office, I swear to God, than I do about any of the shiny BS that we see all over the place. Now, the shiny stuff is awesome and I'm gonna have it too. Trust me, I'm with it, I'm with it. Care about your real life more than your digital world. Care about your real physique more than the Photoshop and the editing. Care about your real relationship more than the Instagram-worthy photos, okay? That's what it takes to be next level. And 1% improvement, foundationally, character, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, well-development, self-esteem, self-worth, self-belief, that kind of stuff, those virtues are what everything else is built on top of. And if you focus there, I promise you the other stuff will be attracted to you. So I just yes. wanted to say that real quick. As no. far as Next Level University... Anyone who wants to find us, we are on every podcast platform. We're also on YouTube, Next Level University, spelt just like it sounds. You can Google us. You can type us in anywhere. We'll come up. My contact information, email, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff is always in the show notes. And anyone can reach out. Between my assistant and I, we literally get back to everyone. I don't know if we'll always be able to do that. Um, I intend on it to the best of my ability. But please reach out if any of this resonated. Awesome. Alan, what is the most impactful book you've ever read? The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. It's right behind me. Mm. What was the big thing you took from it? Uh, the, 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 the incremental, basically the drastic difference that the long term can be when you actually focus on consistent small improvements over time. Basically the math of everything we just talked about, right? Yes, exactly. If, yep. if you could have a drink with anyone in the world, past or present, who would it be? What would you drink and why? Oh my goodness. So, 
uh, have a drink. I would have something non-alcoholic, probably, I'd probably have like lemon water or something like that, or chocolate milk even, like a little kid. Uh, who would it be? It would be Steve Jobs. It would be Steve Jobs. And I would want to understand the the shifts that he made throughout the different phases of his career because he went from nobody believes in me, chip on my shoulder, was abandoned at birth to like most successful company in the history of the world to fired from his own company to go start Pixar next and then go back to Apple and then rebuild it from not from scratch, but like, you know, rebuild it. And then now, you know, he passed away at 57. I mean, Apple's changed the planet forever and all of what he and Bill Gates were talking about way back. I've watched the YouTube videos. Um, Steve Jobs is a huge hero of mine. All of that. And then some has come true. They predicted the future better than almost anyone. And that's why they created the future. And, and so I would want to ask him like, what, what were some of the lessons from his, not only business career, but when it came to the end of his life, like what does he wish he would have done differently in terms of the way he treated people and stuff like that? I love it. I love it. And the Everbreath, uh, the Everbreath Counts podcast, it's all about gratitude. It's about optimization. It's about, it's about optimizing your mind, your body, your career so that you can really make every breath count in your life. So Alan, how do you make every breath count in your life? Maximizing my potential and helping others do the same. That's what I do 24 7, 365. And whenever I'm not doing that, I'm not fulfilled. That's how I know it's my calling. See, I'll tell one really quick story. I was a little yeah. kid. I was a little kid and, and my buddy Kiki, we were best friends growing up and we hung out and we were inseparable. And he said, Alan, you know, you don't got to be the best at everything. And this was my young little boy ego version of maximizing my potential. And I realize it now. I said, no, Kiki, you don't have to be the best at everything. I do. Now, I realize in hindsight that that was my little boy ego version of I have to maximize my potential. I have to. And I have to help other people do the same. It's who I am. It's what I am. Even when I was trying not to be that by drinking and partying and and ignoring my calling, I am only ever fulfilled when I am maximizing my potential and helping other people do the same. And your potential is different than mine. And and my potential is different than yours. And we are all unique. But if you want to be fulfilled, you're going to have to live in your calling. And your calling is what are you uniquely suited to serve this world with based on your own unique gifts and talents. My assistant Amy is the most warm, loving, connection-driven human ever. She's so warm and loving. I'm never going to be as warm and loving as Amy. Okay, I'm an intense dude, right? I'm cold and calculating. I'm an engineer. She's never going to be the guy who is going to extrapolate new formulas for, you know, businesses to change the way businesses own and operate for the rest of humanity. The point is, is live in your calling. I don't know what that is. I know what mine is at the 33, chapter 33 of this life. You know, and I did not always know that this was my calling, by the way. But that's how I make every breath count. I maximize my own potential and I help others do the same. That's even what I've done with every breath on this episode. Ellen, I love it. And thank you so much for for joining in. Look, before we get going, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for for what you're doing for the world. Thank you for the podcast you're putting out. Thank you for the message you're putting out. I think it's really important, you know. And, and like you said, Instagram... It, in a way, it's it's cosmetic. It's it's makeup, and it's good, right? A lot of people wear makeup because it makes you look better. But you know what's really important is, like you said, getting down to who you are when you scrape all of that off, and you're sitting alone with your thoughts, and you're doing the thing that matters. And and what you do in that moment when no one's watching is truly important. So, guys, go out, look up Alan. 
find next level university, find your zone of genius, find your fulfillment and make every breath. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I can't articulate how grateful I am for you. If this episode was inspiring, motivating, or educational, it would mean the world to me if you hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen and left a positive five-star review. And if you want to learn about new episodes as they come out, check out my Instagram at Every Breath Counts Podcast and sign up for my newsletter at everybreathcountspodcast.com. Have a great day and make every breath count. Let's talk about Buzzsprout. Have you thought about starting a podcast? Did you know that 41% of the US population listens to podcasts monthly? And podcast listeners are 68% more likely to be postgraduates. How about this? 12% of all podcast listeners make between seventy-five dollars and $100,000 annually. Whether podcasting is the secret ingredient your business marketing has been missing, or you have a message that you just need to share with the world, the best place to host your podcast is Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout has a ton of how-to guides and support videos to help you get started. And they make it easy to get listed on every major listening platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and so much more. So join me and over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to share your message with the world. Buzzsprout is offering a $20 Amazon gift card for listeners of this show. Simply follow the link in the show notes and start your podcast journey. I cannot wait to hear what you have to share with the world.